<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, so that big North Korea summit, is it on or is it off? Who the hell knows? Certainly not Donald Trump. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday, Tuesday, May 29. Hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend and uh, took time out to remember what it was all about. And now we uh, jump into the week after Congress uh, taking an extended vacation. Of course, they never just take one day. Unlike the rest of us, they get the whole week. Uh, And uh, we keep up with the news of the day, such as it is. Coming here from Washington, D.C., and Donald Trump has been tweeting like mad this morning, uh, still into uh, Spygate and still into... Why doesn't the Department of Justice investigate Hillary Clinton? She's the one that had the Russian connections. Donald Trump, of course, practicing the big lie theory, thinking that uh, the more he tells that big lie, the more people who are going to believe it. And sadly, he's probably right. Uh, We got that. Plus, we'll talk about the big, 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 big uh, vote over in Ireland, uh, turning that country upside down, proving uh, that the Catholic Church doesn't have the stranglehold that it once did on the uh, Irish people. And today's the day that Starbucks shuts down for four hours, 8,000 stores to do a little uh, racial bias training. All of that coming up and a lot more. Remember, we'd love hearing from you. Your comments on the news of the day this Tuesday, May 29. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. We want to hear from you. You're part of the program, most important guest of the program so sound off, and uh, we'll be uh, catching up with you. We jump right into the news of the day, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, it was a big night last night for Washington, D.C. sports fans for the first no, time. No, it wasn't a big night. In quite some time, the Washington Capitals playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. 
While it was an exciting thing to watch, yes. it did not end very well for the Capitals. Here's the final call from KRLV in Las Vegas. Final seconds tick off. Game one in the books. Knights win it 6-4. to four. Tomas Nosek, the game-winning goal. So they did not win. Last what was the final score? I thought it was one to nothing, wasn't it? No. No, it was six to four. Oh, six to four. But the four. series is one to nothing. The oh, Cap- I'm the, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, the Knights now have one right. game up. So there's, there's. No, we'll give them one game. Home game. We'll give them one game. Make <laughs> the, no, point. no, no. Make the fans feel good in Las Vegas. That's, that's a good point. That's no, a good point. They're all drunk and they plenty of time to come back. Exactly. Let me just say that plenty yeah. of time to come. Just back. like the Caps came back in the uh, playoffs. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they came back several times right. Uh, right. In, in all their series. Okay, so we talked about this a couple months ago. But it's now official, and it has now been released. Uh, Coca-Cola has released its very first alcoholic drink. It's only available in Japan for now. Uh, it is called Chuhai. It's an abbreviation for the Shochu uh, Highball. And it's a lemon-flavored, uh, they're calling it an Alco-Pop, alcoholic pop, I guess. So it's like a soda Hmm. That tastes lemony, but it also gets you drunk. And in fact, they have three different kinds, three different flavors that go from 3% alcohol, which is essentially <laughs> nothing, to 8% alcohol, which is a pretty heavy hitter if yeah. you're trying to, uh, to, yeah. to tie one on. So am I going to get drunk by drinking a Coca-Cola soda? No. No, I will not. But Japan, you can do it if you want. No, I don't, I'm not crazy about I don't think this. I need that in my life. Although rum and Coke isn't bad. Sure. But this is a totally separate thing. This is like buy the can with the alcohol already in Cuba Libre. There you go. I'd rather have a Cuba Libre. And uh, let's take a look at the weekend box office because the big Star Wars movie opened over the weekend. <laughs> Solo, a Star Wars story. Did you see it? No, I'm not going to see it. I, th- I figured for sure you were taking your kids to it. No, no? we're off the Star Wars bandwagon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, boy, it didn't do that well. It did well. It, 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 I mean, it, it, relatively it speaking. It brought in $85 million domestically. It. <laughs> However, it yeah. cost about $300 million to make. So. Yeah. And some of the others have done like $200 million oh, yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, you got it. It's on again, off again, and nobody knows where it is today, but Donald Trump says could still happen on June 12. What do you say? Hello, everybody. It's great to see you today on this Tuesday. It's Tuesday, May 29. Welcome. Welcome to the Bill Press Show. We are coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., And our studio right here in the heart of the action. Well, when there is any action taking place in Washington, not a lot this week, except down at the White House, but the Congress is pretty quiet. Uh, The entire Congress uh, out of town uh, for the uh, extended Memorial Day holiday. You and I just get one day. They get all the rest of the week. But we're here with you, and it's good good to see you today. Thank you so much for joining us. As we boom out to you nationwide from our studio right here on Capitol Hill and joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, joining you on Free Speech TV as well and across the nation uh, on Free Speech TV, out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago and statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks. 
And we remind you, don't forget to check out our podcast. We had some extra stuff up here over the weekend on the podcast. Um, uh, a couple of special items that you didn't see during the regular show. That's what we do for those of you who sign up for the podcast. So go to, this, go to podcast, billpressshow.com, and sign up as a member of the team. Yeah, it's it's really important, and it, <clears> it <throat> really doesn't take much time at all if you listen to podcasts at all. Uh, just hit subscribe. Go look for our page. Just look for the Bill Press Show on iTunes. Hit subscribe, and that way you get updates sent to your phone whenever we put out new stuff. So, for example, over the weekend, we put out a, a special podcast on Saturday, uh-huh. and then we put out one yesterday for Memorial Day. Right. Uh, and So we had one all about uh, Igor, uh, Igor Volsky with the um, his Guns Down group. Yeah, Igor right? Volsky and Travis Waldron together. And Travis Waldron. Uh, and then we had another one that came out on Saturday all about sort of uh, we talked to a, a, a <laughs> restaurateur who's starting a new restaurant. And sort of how that happens, how you do that, uh, which is really, really interesting. Uh, so literally, all you have to do is just hit subscribe. We'll send the push notifications to your phone, and then you just listen. Right. Easy as that. It doesn't cost anything. Don't right? cost nothing. Don't cost nothing. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, and that uh, that helps us and helps build our base, and the podcast has been growing by leaps and bounds, thanks to you. Uh, and let's, uh, let's just uh, keep it going. Boy, uh, where do we start? I don't, let's start. I got to tell you, this was I thought very, very exciting. In Ireland, boy, they had a great big vote. You know, they passed oh some twenty, thirty years ago this Measure Eight, which basically made it impossible in Ireland for any woman, for any reason whatsoever, uh, to get an abortion. Um, and it came up for a referendum uh, over the weekend in Ireland. Of course, the Catholic Church, which sort of uh, Ireland and the Catholic Church, they're sort of like one and the same, right? Uh, you couldn't hard to tell the difference between them uh, until a few years ago when the priest pedophile scandal hit, and it hit Ireland big time. And the credibility of the Catholic Church started to crumble at that point, and people started saying, hey, look, look, look what some of these priests are doing. Why should we believe them about anything? It eroded their credibility. Uh, and it, so back in, it's, I think the real first crack in that came uh, in 2015. It was just three years ago that Ireland had another referendum. Um, they were one of the few countries in Europe which would not recognize same-sex marriage. Uh, and Ireland put a referendum up, and people said, no, we think it's good. We think it's okay. So they, the Catholic country of Ireland said, same-sex marriage equality is good. We accept it. Same-sex marriage, we accept it in Ireland. And then now, this year, they came up with this measure to repeal repeal the, uh, the, the old um, referendum eight, measure eight, which uh, banned abortion, again, for any reason whatsoever. And it passed overwhelmingly, 66.4% Jeez. of the people of Ireland said, we want to get rid of that old thing. Uh, as one reporter here from Sky News tells us, um, it was the independent voters, those who <clears throat> wouldn't publicly say how they were going to vote, maybe because they didn't want to get in trouble with the church. Uh, they're the ones that swung the way of, uh, su- of providing support for women. Here is from Sky News what happened. Up to one in five voters were undecided, and many people thought the undecideds would vote no. But the polling seems to suggest that the undecideds came out for yes. 
and I think that was the big unpredictability and that's why the exit polls showed that landslide that people genuinely weren't expecting. Yes, indeed. And the Prime Minister of uh, Ireland, uh, Leo Varadkar, maybe? Varadkar? Who knows? Uh, Pointing out that this really does change uh, the way Ireland uh, treats women and and reaches out to help women. Under the Eighth Amendment, we said to women in crisis, take the boat or take the plane. Today we say, take our hand. Yep, before, yeah, before under that Eighth Amendment, uh, tell women in crisis, take the boat or take the plane, get out of here. Uh, And uh, in um, uh, now he says, uh, we tell them, take our hand. There was a case of one woman in particular, uh, a doctor, a dentist, uh, who was pregnant and who was told by by doctors that um, her fetus, the baby, was not going to survive, was going to die in her womb. Uh, and she had to do something about it, or else she herself might die of um, infection from that. Um, and uh, the doctor said, but we can't do anything about it because we're forbidden by the Eighth Amendment to, uh, to abort this, fe- this fetus. Uh, and um, so the baby died within her. She got septicemia, I think it's called, whatever, some infection, and she died shortly after, and she became kind of the poster child. Here was this woman whose life was in danger, and the doctors did nothing, felt they could do nothing to save her because of this old measure eight. And, and she was really sort of, the, again, the, the main inspiration uh, for this vote in Ireland. Big deal, big deal, 66.4% again. And then we've got this on again, off again summit. It is, we, last time we were together, we talked about the fact that Donald Trump wrote this very snotty letter to Kim Jong-un saying your your rhetoric has been so angry and hostility is just weep, just pouring out of you. And so we're not going to have this summit. We're canceling this summit in Singapore on July 12. And by the way, I hate to tell you this, but our military is bigger than yours. And I hope we don't have to use it. But basically, if we will, we're going to wipe you off the face of the earth. A really ugly, snotty letter that he sent. Boom, spur of the moment. As we talked about this, I think it was the very last time we were together. We talked is when this happened. Friday, right? Yeah, when we when we finished the show on Friday, the was, summit was it was definitely dead. off. It was dead, definitely dead, off. Dead, dead, right? And um, as we pointed out, he didn't tell Congress ahead of time he's going to cancel it. I didn't tell the president of South Korea who really put this whole thing together, he was going to cancel it, didn't tell Prime Minister Abe from Japan, didn't tell anybody, and just just did it. Typical, impetuous Donald Trump. Uh, so that was it, right? No, no, no. It was like Saturday. I pick up my phone and I see Donald Trump saying, well, maybe we might reconsider this, right? Well, then the next thing we know, there's a team of uh, uh, Americans who crossed over South Korea into North Korea over the weekend to have some uh, dialogue about maybe getting the thing back on track again. This morning, Donald Trump tweets out that the head negotiator from North Korea is on his way to New York to continue the, uh, the, the discussions about maybe getting this thing back on track. And Donald Trump 
Uh, do you have that tweet this morning, Peter? Yeah, this yeah. is the tweet that he sent out this morning. Yeah. We have put a great team together for our talks with North Korea. Meetings are currently taking place concerning summit and more. Lots. Like there's a, there's mm-hmm. a huge punctuation mm-hmm. situation going on in here. But uh, he goes, uh, Kim Yong-chol, the vice president of North Korea, heading now to New York. Solid response to my letter. Thank you. <laughs> right. So Friday says you're an idiot. Today says thank, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, and I have to say, amid multiple punctuation errors, and I know that that well, that's uh, people well, get mad at me sometimes. When I make fun of the fact that we have a president that can't read or write. But like, I do think that that's a pretty low bar that you should have to get over. Uh, like, I, you should be able to write a sentence properly <laughs> if you want to be president of the United States. Sorry, I know that's a pretty high standard, I guess. But, but that's remember, just me. remember, that's a clue that it's really him. No, that's totally. Really that's him. how you can tell. Yeah, that's, that's how, how you can, can tell. tell which are right. the real ones right. and which ones are written by Dan Scavino. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so over the weekend, uh, on his in, in between golf games, uh, by the way, he did play Saturday, played both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he did tell reporters that, uh, yep, it looks like. Uh, we might get this thing back on track. We're doing very well in terms of the summit with North Korea. Uh, looks like it's uh, going along very well. Uh, there, as you know, there are meetings going on mm-hmm. as we speak as in we... a certain location, which I won't name. <laughs> like the location, it's not so far away from here. <laughs> by the way, by the way, when he says it, that, it's a, you know what? It's probably like at the Starbucks up the corner. Right. I, I figured mean, it was at a Trump golf course. Oh, it was at a Trump Country Club. You, by the way. You're probably right. A place you guys would love, very close to here. Yeah, it's a Trump. It's a Trump golf property. Sterling, Virginia. Has to be. Yeah. Right. Could be, yeah. Could very well be. Right. I'm not going to tell you where it's taking place, but a little place. Right, you're gonna love it. Right up the street. It's yeah, so nice. It. It's mm-hmm. so yeah, great, right. folks. Okay. You're gonna love it. <laughs> uh, and okay, this is 29th of May. Okay. Friday is, I believe, the first of June. Isn't it? I think it's Thursday, but yeah, it's either Thursday or Friday. Okay. You might be right. right. Whatever. I'm, I'm, it's this uh, week. It's coming up later on this okay. week. Right. Uh, and then. No, you're right. It's Friday. Friday. Sorry. Friday's 1st of June. Friday's 1st okay. of June. Okay. Right. Listen to this. Donald Trump still says, we're going to pull this baby off by June 12th. We're looking at June 12th in Singapore. That hasn't changed. Uh, and it's moving along pretty well. So we'll see what happens. How right. did we get to this point? <laughs> I don't know. But there again, there's the classic Donald Trump fallback. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's his response response to everything. So, look, you know what? I think this is, I've said it before, and extremely important that this summit take place. I, I hope they can pull it together. I think they might be wiser to take a little more time, a little more planning. There's no rush, right? I think they might be more successful if they have a better idea of exactly what they want going in and what they want to come out of it with and all of that. I doubt that they could uh, put all that together, given the distances between them between now and June 12. But, you know, more power to them if, if, they, if they pull it off. But I also would not be surprised with this guy in the White House if— by the end of the week, he writes another snotty letter saying, I changed my mind again. Oh, by the end of the you know day. What? By the way, on June 12, the morning of June 12, <laughs> he could be in Singapore and say, I'd rather play golf. Yeah, folks, 
They've been very unfair to me. I'm going to mm-hmm. play golf. Yes, right. He has already. He's already, remember, he already said that if he doesn't like the way things are going, he'll just get up and walk out. Right. So who knows? But again, uh, only Donald Trump could make Kim Jong Un look like a statesman and look like a rational, reasonable person uh, who is just basically keeping his calm and moving ahead and saying, "Yes, we'd like to meet. We're ready to meet as soon as this goofball decides." whether he's going to go ahead with it or not. In so. in what reality would you have guessed that Kim Jong-un would be a better statesperson <laughs> than anybody that we could put forward from the United States? And yet, you know, here we are. Everything is relative. Yeah. He looked like a total wacko until, until. <laughs> we <laughs> elected a bigger one. Right, right, right. right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, um, I hope you enjoyed enjoyed your Memorial Day, and I certainly hope that you took time out to remember what that Memorial Day celebration is all about. Washington, D.C., it's hard not to because uh, people here really come out with the American flags. They're all over the place, all over the neighborhood. Uh, and um, I went down, by the way, we had friends in town that went down to the uh, Lincoln Memorial and to the Vietnam Memorial, and it was just bedecked with uh, with commemorative wreaths and flags rolling and flowers. Rolling thunder, right? And, is it rolling thunder? And then there's down? rolling thunder. Oh, man, and, I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many hundred, hundreds of thousands of motorcyclists come to town every year, Memorial Day, rolling thunder. And no matter where you go in Washington, it's, it doesn't have to be the parade. They're just rolling around town, you know. And, uh, no, it's great to see them. These are all veterans who come here to uh, commemorate Veterans Day here in Washington, D.C. Um, Donald Trump. Marked the Veterans Day weekend by playing golf twice. Yesterday, he did go out to Arlington to lay a wreath, and before he went, he put, as someone put uh, on um, uh, CNN, said it, Donald Trump put the me back in Memorial Day. For him, it was Memorial Day, not Memorial Day. Uh, his tweet says so much about who Donald Trump is. Do you have it there? I've got I do. it if you don't. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I have it here. This is from yeah. yesterday morning on right. Memorial Day. Uh, happy Memorial Day. Right, we're off to a good start. Mm-hmm. You got that part right. Got that part. Happy Memorial Day. Those who died for our great country would be very happy and proud at how well our country is doing today. Meaning they'd be very proud of me, 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 me. me. Uh, he goes on, best economy in decades, lowest unemployment numbers for blacks and Hispanics ever. Ever. All caps. All caps. And parentheses, and women in 18 years. Rebuilding our military and so much more. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, folks, it's all about me. It's all about me. Let's make of this Memorial Day celebration a celebration of me and my presidency and how well I am doing. So take that one, okay? Now let me let me read in contrast what former President Barack Obama tweeted out yesterday. Quote, this is going to hurt. We can never truly repay the debt we owe our fallen heroes, but we can remember them, honor their sacrifice, and affirm in our own lives those enduring ideals of justice, equality, and opportunity for which generations of Americans have given that last full measure of devotion. God, I mean... Uh, that's what Memorial Day is all about. A little different than Donald Trump's statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like Barack Obama did say, 
What a great Memorial Day when everybody remembers all the great things I did, like Obamacare and the Paris Peace Accords and the Iran nuclear. No, I mean, no. Obama gets it right. Trump again. It's just look in the mirror and how great I am. Uh, Pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty sad. Well, I saw that one veterans group put out a put out a note just saying it's the most disgusting Memorial Day statement that they've ever seen from any president in all the years that they've been it commemorating bums, It bums Memorial me Day. out. It really bums me out. But also, it's obviously not surprising. I think we were all sort of anticipating that this was going to be what he did on Memorial Day. That's what he does every day. That's what he day. does every day. Somehow, <laughs> What's the difference? Somehow turn everything around into right. you know, looking looking, looking uh, in the mirror. Uh, interesting day today. Tuesday, why this day? Don't know. Um, but um, if your little daily routine is to hop, pop into your uh, into your local Starbucks uh, for a little pickup in early in the afternoon, maybe late in the morning or whatever, better check the schedule today because for in every one of the Starbucks, 8,000-plus stores in this country, they're going to shut down for four hours today. Think about the logistics of that. And in every one of the uh, – maybe they're gathering in each city in one com- one central place. I don't know how that works. Uh, but all of the uh, Starbucks employees and every one of the 8,000-plus stores are going to be – have four hours of racial bias training today all stemming from that incident up in Philadelphia about a month ago where two black men were there, uh, they said, waiting to meet a friend. Uh, One of them, they had not bought anything yet, and uh, one of them, or maybe both, asked if they could use the restroom, and uh, the manager called the police and arrested them for the crime of wanting to go to the bathroom. Anyhow, yeah, pretty, pretty disgusting. Uh, and, um, you know, good for Starbucks for responding. I just wonder how they're going to pull this off. But Yeah, we'll no, see. that's that's a really good question. Logistically, it's going to be a tough thing to pull they off. They can't have hired 8,000 different trainers, right, or people right. to go one in each store, I right. wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so. But look, you know, Starbucks is one of the biggest, most uh, visible companies that we have here in this country. Truly. I mean, yeah. you can't go anywhere right. without seeing Starbucks. Starbucks, and so for them to take this hit, uh, first of all, I mean, look, it's admirable that they're doing it, but we got to remember why they're doing it is because right. it was yeah. it was a pretty yeah. terrible situation. What was with. one but stupid like, manager in one store, yeah, by the way? I mean, by, by the way, think... and, and I'm sure that there are a lot of them. I'm sure that there are a yeah. couple of other stupid managers that would do yes. the same stupid yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. But for them to lead the way on this and for them to shut I, down their whole business, I think it should be applauded. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I give them credit. I give them credit for it. I know. I, I I really do. And by the way, we've talked about Starbucks. I mean, so many times, right? Yeah. I don't like it because I don't like the fact that the the little, if you will, mom and pop coffee shops like the one we have right downstairs, Peregrine, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, if there were Starbucks across the two more too many people, they go to the Starbucks, and the other places just go out of business, it's fold. So uh, basically, don't like chains for that reason, right? Uh, but you got to admit the Starbucks, um, they got it down. They they uh, they have good products and they have good service for the most part. Uh, and um, they know what they're doing. So good for them for doing that today. Well, where are we on the um, conspiracy theories? Yes, it still continues. Donald Trump, New York Times, great piece this morning about 
how we got to remember with the, all this Spygate nonsense, which is the latest conspiracy theory on Donald Trump, that this is a guy who he lives by conspiracy theories. He, at one point, said that he, he was part of that whole group, uh, says that uh, we, we knew, the government knew about September 11. Remember Peter early on? We used to get calls from people. Who are they? The, the, the September 11 conspiracy, right? Oh, thought, God, yeah. Yeah, we Jeez. knew all about it, that George Bush and Dick Cheney actually set it up, yeah. that our intelligence agencies actually put the bombs put inside the, bombs the building. The oh, yeah, all that yeah. crap. Donald Trump believed that crap. Donald Trump was one of those people who said it was an inside, September 11 was an inside job. I mean, that's how wacky he is, okay? When Antonin Scalia, Justice Scalia, died out in, I think it was in Arizona. That Wyoming. Wyoming, like someplace that. out yeah. in the West, right? And Donald Trump was one of those who said he'd been murdered. Put that whole theory out there. And, of course, for five years, Donald Trump went around the country leading the birther movement, saying that Barack Obama was not a legitimate president because he was not born in this country because we had not seen his birth certificate. And even after Obama released his birth certificate, Donald Trump still, he didn't give it up until he was halfway into his campaign for president. And he finally said it, okay, okay, he was born here, right, five years later. Uh, so you got to see... The whole Spygate thing in context. When oh, This is also Donald Trump who said that Barack Obama tapped his phones at Trump Tower, which he's never given, not, not, that, that, that whole conspiracy theory, zero evidence of it. So Spygate comes in that line of crazy theories that Donald Trump has espoused uh, and propagated, propagated uh, this claim that the FBI, which he still says, and by the way, he was tweeting about it over the weekend again, that the FBI planted a spy in his campaign. It had never been done before. Boom, boom, boom. It was done illegally. And it's he's gotten it to the point where the FBI and the Justice Department briefed members of Congress last week on exactly what they were doing and what why they had an investigation into the Trump campaign to refute this nonsense that Donald Trump is putting out there. The problem is, and it's proven true, the more he says that, the more people who will believe it. Speaking of the nonsense oh, yeah. that Donald Trump continues to put out there, uh, he's tweeting this morning. Uh, I, I want to read a couple, just in the last half hour, uh, three tweets. First of all, he talks about the, quote, the 13 angry Democrats, plus people who worked eight years for Obama, which... Sounds a lot like he's getting into like the whole deep state territory. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he goes, mm -hmm. uh, working on the rigged Russia witch hunt will be meddling with the midterm elections, especially now that Republicans, parentheses, stay tough, are taking the lead in polls. There was no collusion except by Democrats. Then he says, why aren't the 13 angry and heavily conflicted Democrats investigating the totally crooked campaign of totally crooked Hillary Clinton? <laughs> it's a rigged witch hunt. Lots of capitalizations in there. Uh, it's a rigged witch hunt. That's why. Ask them if they enjoyed her after election celebration, which is sort of a low blow, I guess. But then, but, about a minute but, ago. Way, he is consumed with this. Completely consumed. On the way to playing golf Saturday or Sunday morning, he put out like two, three tweets in the, during the motorcade yeah. about why isn't the Justice Department investigating Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, and then his most recent tweet as of now, he says, sorry, I've got to start focusing my energy on North Korea nuclear, bad trade deals, VA choice, the mm. economy, mm. rebuilding the military, and so much more. And not on the rigged Russia witch hunt <laughs> that should be investigating Clinton, Russia, FBI, Justice, Obama, Comey, Lynch, etc. Totally normal thoughts from a totally normal brain. Whatever. Before we take a break here, <laughs> I hope you took time out yesterday, uh, not only to celebrate Memorial Day, but to wish Rudy Giuliani a happy birthday. Uh, yes, Rudy, <clears throat> mayor for life, uh, <laughs> went to uh, Yankee Stadium yesterday where he was introduced. Uh, you can see that even in his hometown, Rudy's kind of a <clears throat> gone over the edge uh, they may have liked him once in New York. They don't like him much anymore. Of all the places in of New York. Of all the places. And yesterday was his birthday. Yes. So, so the announcer goes, wishes him happy birthday. So it's kind of, it's got a bad audio here. Uh, you can't quite make out the announcer, but he's saying happy birthday to Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and you can hear the crowd response. Oh, yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> that is brutal, yeah. Rudy, get the hell out of here. All right, good. Hey, got a great lineup today. <laughs> Starting with Andrew Restuccia from uh, Politico, White House reporter for Politico. They're joining us next, we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back here on the Bill Press Show this Tuesday, May 29. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, how about it? Tuesday, May 29. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Coming off the uh, long Memorial Day weekend into a busy news week here as they're trying to put that summit back together again. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, those good men and women of the UFCW, under President Mark Perrone, a proud union family that feeds, serves, and provides for America's hardworking families, uh, taking care of us at all of the great grocery chains here in this country, the ones who stock the shelves, check you out at the end, uh, basically um, provide all the great services that uh, we depend on and count on. We thank them for their uh, support of the program and salute their good work around the country. And welcome to the studio, Andrew, Andrew Restuccia, who covers the White House for Politico, politico.com. Hello, Andrew. Great hey, to see you. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, and uh, welcome back to the real world after this right, long Memorial exactly. Day weekend. It was a groggy uh, morning. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> it's tough, tough getting started again. Uh, but we've been at it for a little bit, stirring up uh, some dust along the way. Peter? Yes, indeed. We are on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, Alfeo on Twitter says, wouldn't it be great if Trump could get the same deal with North Korea that we had with Iran? <laughs> good good, good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Naughton. And then we could put the Iran deal back yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matthew Naughton says, uh, Trump wasn't receiving enough credit for the Korean summit, so he thought it would have all folded once he pulled the U.S. out of it. But surprise, both Korean governments were still pushing ahead. The egg is now on Trump's face. Uh, Joe Howard says, the extra Patreon content uh, really helped me get through the long weekend. Everyone sign up. If we get 15 new patrons, I hear Peter will color his beard 
Will he dye it pink, green, or blue? I'm not going to dye my beard. But you should you should go check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash bbshow. You should be willing to dye your beard if, if we get 15's not enough. 15's not enough. No. All right, how many? How many? If we get a hundred new people, I'll sure I'll dye my green. Whatever, whatever you, whatever you guys pick. All right, let them pick. All right, we'll put up a poll. A hundred new in, in in how much time? Uh, by the end of the week. End of the week. Yeah. All right, yeah, you got your you marching go. orders. You go. Oh, man, we'll we put up a poll and find out what people want if that star- actually happens. We got started. It's easy here. to do. Patreon.com slash BP show. And speaking of polls, we put out one this morning on Twitter. Uh, will the North Korea summit happen? Very simple poll, yes or no. As of now, overwhelmingly, people say no. Find us on Twitter at BP show. You can vote. All right. How do you vote, Andrew? Will it happen? What do you think? Will, will we get enough uh, new new? Oh, you mean Peter's beard? Yeah. No. no <laughs> I vote we, yes. No, we, no, I vote yes on that too. If the North Korea summit happens, I will also dye my beard. Uh, on the on the North Korea summit, I I do think um, I think I mean if you know who knows right? A million, know, things, oh a million no. things could happen, but I that, I, that I, I if, if I were to right put answer. money on it, um, I would say that it's more likely than not to to happen in some in some form on June twelfth. Who knows? I think you've got particularly the South Korean government putting all its chips into this basket. President Moon has staked his entire presidency on on making right. this happen. Right. Um, Trump, you know, embarrassed him quite a bit when he when he canceled the summit via letter and didn't didn't. You know, didn't tell him didn't tell him ahead of time. Um, so there's going to be some tension there. Um, you know, and obviously the president, you know, desperately wants this to happen too. You know, the North Koreans are obviously a huge wild card, but they're clearly playing ball to some degree. I mean, there's that North Korean dip- diplomats coming to New York today uh, to to have some initial discussions. Um, but you know, people have been trying to do this sort of thing for decades. So who knows? In right. The end. And the way it was done by Donald Trump, impetuously, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that, and then, and then the same with the same impetuousness, right? Mm-hmm. If that is a word, uh, canceling the right. summit, and now once again just turning around and saying, "All right, let's put it back together again." I was surprised at North Korea's response. Their response was not to attack Donald Trump for being, a, you know, a, a independable or can't trust him or whatever. They just said, "Well." We'd like to still have a summit, right? I mean, it was a risky move the way that they did it. But if you take a closer look at that, the way they did it, um, and the wording of the letter, I mean, the letter was written in such a fawning way. I don't know if if you remember. I mean, the the language was very sort of complimentary of of Kim, even though it had sort of a paragraph in there saying, you know, we don't appreciate the stuff that you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were clearly leaving a door open. Um, as wide as they possibly could for Kim to come back to the table. And Kim, you know, they sort of on some level called Kim's bluff, and Kim clearly, you know, has a vested interest in making this happen. I mean, you know, you don't want to apply too much strategy onto what the president, President Trump does at any, any given moment. But, I mean, you know, this, this even if it wasn't a full, fully thought-out strategy, it ended up working. Uh, well. For now. May, right. Yeah. May, <laughs> for now. Right. Yeah. Mando. But uh, the, the big question, too, is getting them at the table – Getting anything when they walk away from the table is, is a different story. And we're talking 10 days from now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there, there are concerns in the Republican Party. There are concerns in the White House about what this summit will actually produce. 
and um, you know what the president may or may not agree to in the moment. Now, the every, White House officials will tell you there's there's not going to be likely a fully fleshed out agreement out of this one June 12th meeting. It'll be sort of an agreement to continue talking, uh, but there'll be a lot of symbolism surrounding the actual. Isn't it what both yeah. both presidents want, or the chairman and the president, both of them want a photo op, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you could make the case that Kim wants a photo op a lot more than, than President Trump does. Oh, I wouldn't make that case at all. Nobody on the freaking really? planet wants a photo op Kim will be more, legitimized, than, more than Donald Trump. Kim will be legitimized in a way that he hasn't been That is true. in, in the way that North Korea hasn't been that in decades by, by getting but a handshake Trump, photo with the president of the United States. But I would argue that Donald yeah. Trump will say, I look at me, nobody else could do this, Right. and here I am. Obama couldn't do it, Clinton couldn't do it, Bush couldn't do it. Right. Donald J. Trump did it. That's what he will say. That that's what he's been saying. There's no doubt yeah. that that this yeah. for him is a is sort of a, a legit, legit, legit legitimizes him as a president as well. Right. Um, but there are complications there, right? I mean, what are you saying? I mean, oh, totally. You know, uh, is he going to bring up the many um, horrific things that North Korea does on a day to day basis in those meetings? No. Likely not, right? No. Um, <laughs> you know, human rights activists are going to be furious about that. Yeah. <clears throat> Just like. When he went to Mexico, he didn't bring up the price of the wall. Right, and this is something that he, you know, he. Uh, no, that's why he doesn't I say, do this all face he wants to is face. A photo up. Right. Yeah, and this right. is with world leaders. He he often doesn't doesn't bring up things. I mean, when he met with the you know the leader of the Philippines, Duterte, he didn't bring up you know uh, you know human rights abuses there directly either. No, he invited him to the White House. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and he likes these sort of strong men figures. Um, it's unclear uh, if the president has spoken directly to Kim. Uh, there are suggestions that that he that he might yeah. have, though the White House strongly denies that. Um, but they have clearly developed this sort of rapport um, across the across the world. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, the president has, uh, and you've written about this. Uh, there have been some uh, ever since Hope Hicks left as the commu communications director. I think she was number. four. Five, if do I recall correctly? Yeah. Yes. Number okay. five, if you count. All right. Right before the administration. Yes. So, yeah. uh, Jason Miller. Right. Jason. Miller. All right. So who is the new communications director? There isn't one. So the White House will say. Um, yes, there is. The White House will say it's President Trump. <laughs> that's what I think it is. <laughs> that's pretty clear. That's who it right. is. Right. And and you know they're they're okay with not having a, a new communications director. Um, they a bunch of many people in the White House view the communications shop as sort of bloated and and uh, there's a lot of people in there that don't have defined jobs and there's not a, a very much of a hierarchy. There's about two dozen people in the communications shop which, which deals with all sorts of things, communications to Congress to outside groups, um, and then there's another dozen in the press shop which is the people like you know Sarah Sanders, the people you mm -hmm. see on TV, um, and the president has basically said, and this this sort of stemmed from the Kelly Sadler McCain leak. He's he's basically said that the shop is a mess. It needs to be it needs to be fixed. Um, so he John Kelly is working on a plan, and it's it was finalized, and it wasn't finalized, and it's finalized, and it wasn't finalized. Going back but and forth on all the details. It's sort of yeah. the, like they're cleaning house. Aren't There's going to be a house cleaning, yeah, and I think it's going to be. So the way to stop the leaks is to fire everybody who might leak. Well, the president is obsessed with who's leaking. He brought <laughs> Kelly Sadler into the Oval Office as we reported last week, um, yeah. and basically asked her who who's leaking what. Um, and he's done that with all of his other aides. But it looks like the people that, that you see on TV every day, like Raj Shah and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Kellyanne Conway, those people are safe, They have, for the most part. They have a relationship with the president. 
Um, it's the people who are below them, the junior and middle level people that are probably going to be removed or reassigned. Um, so it says a lot about, you know, if you if you have an in with the president, you're, you're a lot safer. It might have been your story that I read back to Kelly. So Kelly Sadler is the woman who'd said, who cares about McCain? He's dying anyway. Right. Uh, and that Trump called her in or called members of the team of communications team into his office. Mm -hmm. She was one of she was there at the right. meeting, asked her, who do you think leaked? And she pointed to her boss. Mercedes Schlapp, yeah. Mercedes Schlapp in that meeting and said, I think she's the one. Yeah, so Axios reported that on Sunday. We oh, okay. Last I, week we had the details of, of her coming into the meeting and being yeah. asked about it, and they reported that it was actually Mercedes that, that um, Kelly blamed. Right. It's pretty remarkable because Mercedes uh, Schlapp uh, is has been a public defender of Kelly. Yeah, she jumped yeah. throughout this one of the first people to right. sort of say, right. like, I'm yeah. with her. She's Right, exactly. Um, so I think... Uh, it is. It's, it was just sort of a. It's sort of a strange. Um, well, imagine series of events. a work atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the boss brings you in, and right in front of him, you know, they're fighting among each other, or pointing a finger at each other, and accusing each other of being traitors, spies, leakers. I mean, and, and Trump sort of foments this atmosphere, and he encourages oh, it. Totally. Uh, not just sort of in a broad way, but in a very specific way. He likes calling people into the office and putting them in the same room and saying, okay, make your case, make your case, who's the leaker, who, you know, and, and basically make them fight, you know. And other presidents have done this, done this too, and it is a strategy that other presidents, you know, like Bush was known for doing this as well, but um, he does it in a very sort of um, aggressive and he encourages the sort of vitriol that comes along with with this, and it's created a lot of tension. You know, you leave that room, right? The, the meeting's over, and then you have to go work for Mercedes. Right. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I'd like to have heard some of the follow-up conversations. I, from yeah, that. me too. But it, it is true. It is, I mean, we've talked to you about this before. Uh, in terms of leaks, that there hasn't, there's never been a White House that leaks like this one does. No, uh, and I covered Obama and. Um, there was nothing like it was this. Tough. I mean, it was tough it was very get. difficult to even get, um, you know, a senior administration official to talk to you that wasn't organized through the communications channels. I mean, you could yeah. every now and then on specific issues if you had good relationships, but um, the idea that you could just call up any number of the top people in the administration and totally go around the communications office and just ask them anything you'd like, and they'll and they'll tell you they'll talk to you not just not just off the record but on background attributed to a senior administration official often um, is remarkable. It makes my job a lot easier, uh, but it also creates a situation where you have people with different uh, knives out for others. Right. You yeah. know, you don't know who to trust, so. You know, we almost never go on any write a story based on one source. And under Obama, if if someone was telling you something under Obama from the administration, you knew it was part of a coordinated message. And under under President Trump, you never know that, right? It's 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 it could be part of some plot to advance one individual's career. You know, what who knows? drives all the what drives these people? So many of these people we've talked to about half a dozen at least White House reporters who talk about that they they have conversations every day. You mm -hmm. know with secret sources in the White House who are readily willing to talk and, and spill the beans. Uh, what motivates them? Is it that they 
don't like where they are. They don't like what Trump is doing. They're- I mean, they want to advance themselves, but on some level, it's self-perpetuating, right? And there's a feeling, widespread feeling in the White House that if, if you're not talking to reporters, you're losing because your colleague is. And they're and they're telling they're telling their version of events to reporters. And if you're not and if you're not doing it, then who knows what you know the person down the hall is saying about you. Um, and so there's this feeling that you have to play the game. And if you're not, then you're putting yourself um, on a limb. You're you're basically becoming a target because it is a snake pit. And I actually met. That's other, a good phrase for it. It is yeah, a snake pit. I met the other day with a former White House official, and I said, "Is it true? Is it really as bad as everybody says it is in terms of you know like the backbiting?" And he said, "Absolutely, and worse." Oh, yeah. Whoa. And, and this is someone and, who's not prone to exaggeration. Okay. Yeah. And now they have to check their iPhones when they walk in. Right. Right. Okay. So how are they making these calls on official government lines or after hours or I mean I don't want to no. kind of get into methods and things like that but you know uh, there know. there is a lot of um there are a lot of ways you can still communicate with people um in the White House without your personal phone Okay we'll <laughs> leave it there um now but isn't it also true that what undermines this whole thing is that the number one leaker is Donald Trump himself yeah, I mean, you know, you talk to people in the White House, and they'll they'll say that they'll say that. I mean, I mean, he, he's on the phone with his buddies, right? He leaks by extension, right? By yeah. talking to a dozen, any number of a dozen people every day, and then those people, you know, yeah. talk to reporters, right? And he also tweets what he's thinking at any, 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 any given moment. So it's not a, really a secret what is on his mind. Well, I'm thinking back to the classic White House meeting the day after he fired Comey, when he's got the Russians, Russian ambassador and the Russian foreign minister in mm-hmm. there, and he leaks to them about some. In, Secret, top secret intelligence, which we learn from the Israeli intelligence agencies. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, he, but like when he's talking to Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or whomever from Fox News after hours or whatever, you know, he's telling them stuff that right. that he wants to get out there that they can report on. He loves to gossip, and I think he can't help himself uh, when he's talking to people who he feels like have a certain level of cachet. It's a way for him to show his importance and his sort of in the knowness, um, it's a way of basically communicating to people like I'm, I'm a big deal. Here are the things that I know, you know. Um, and he can't help himself, which holds true to form from the way from his uh, um, experience and his pattern of behavior in New York as a real estate mogul, right? I mean, he loved the media and played the media all the time, right? And, you know, yeah. I mean, he. He, he was a regular caller into page six with in the New York Post gossip column right. uh, with various tips about, you know, any number of things. Um, he loves he loves reading the newspaper. I mean, he reads the news, a number of newspapers almost yeah. every day. Plus Howard Stern. I mean, he, was, he was a regular on Howard Stern. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, he he knows. I, I think he sometimes gets too much credit for the degree to which he he's basically that he's described as this sort of, you know, mastermind of, of the press. Um, but, I mean, he knows he knows the press a lot a lot better than, you know, past presidents have. There have been several uh, articles uh, recently that Donald Trump, uh, this is kind of a new time in the, in the Trump White House in that he has gotten rid of people who might tell him stuff he didn't want to hear, and he surrounded himself with real acolytes like John Bolton, mm-hmm. right? Right. That that now it's everybody's on the same page. Everybody's on the same team and he's sort of feels free he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, I mean I think and, and so my question is is that true and number 2 
where's John Kelly in all of this? Right. So there's the Kelly factor. I mean, I don't think that he that everyone in the White House is is necessarily on the same page, um, particularly when it comes to certain policy issues, uh, whether it be you know trade, immigration. Trade is trade is the big one, right? Where everyone right. is arguing. Yeah. But um, there are certainly fewer people in this White House now who can say to him, "That's a crazy idea. Let's not do it." You know, John Kelly, you know, came in with that. That was his shtick, right? That he would go in and say no to the president. And, and you know, there haven't been any real examples of him successfully doing that, even if behind the scenes he has tried. Um, he has he has essentially lost all of his cachet with the president at this point. And he, he you know, according to people that we've spoken with, is, is sort of focused on doing his day-to-day job, you know, keeping the White House running, making sure meetings are happening, you know, t- to the extent that he can. And, and the president is doing his own thing. The president is doing his own you know, uh, he's focused on his own issues, um, you know, and John Kelly has very little control over that. You mentioned um, uh, trade as one area, mm. r- right, where there may be some disagreement. Um, there certainly was reflected some disagreement over the president's sudden announcement uh, just before the weekend that he's considering a 25% tariff on foreign automobiles. Right. So Now, where did that come from, Right. That's, it's a good question. Uh, trade has been probably the most contentious internally, not out necessarily outwardly, and maybe outwardly as well, but the policy issue this administration has faced. I mean, he basically has two camps of people. He has the free traders and he has, you know, the sort of like national, more nationalist focused people, the Peter Navarros on, and, the, and, the, and the Lighthizers on one side. And the, the you know Gary Cohens and 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 uh, and Cudlows and others on 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 the other, and they have they have a weekly trade meeting uh, where all these people get together and they're yelling matches, they're they're screaming matches very regularly, uh, because they believe that the trade is sort of fundamentally an issue that the, that goes to the core of who the president is, right? And and that is because the president doesn't ascribe to any sort of fixed ideology. It's sort of a fight for for who this president will be going into the midterms, going into 2020, right? I mean, is he going to be this tough on China guy, or is he going to be a deal maker? You know, who who lets China slide? Right. And with the and for example, you mentioned Gary Cohn. Right. When it came down to the tariffs, Gary Cohn, who um, reportedly was ready to resign after the Charlottesville comments, but decided no, he would hang around because it was important mm-hmm. to stop those tariffs. Right, and then Donald Trump goes ahead with the tariffs on steel, and Gary Cohn said, "No, that's it. Okay." And that was basically the last straw yeah, for Gary. That, I mean, the last straw you know, for him. So he resigns. Now there's Larry Kudlow. Right. Larry Kudlow said over the weekend that these um, tariffs on autom- on foreign automobiles would, which I believe he's right on this, would cost a lot of American jobs because so many of these cars are built actually in South Carolina today or in Georgia mm-hmm. today. They're not built. They may be foreign owned, but companies foreign company but their plants are here and their parts are made here and so, you've seen you know a pretty pretty wide cross-section so, of people coming out and saying the same thing right yeah so who who wins that and trump did not do it yet he just said he's considering it right and and this is the president's sort of strategy with a lot of things right throw something out there <laughs> uh muddy the waters create confusion uh in you know in the industry and force people to, um, at least he hopes, and who knows if this will work in this case, force people to come to the table and talk to you. And I think this is another example of that here. Um, will we see those? Will we see those tariffs in you know six months, nine months? Um, 
based on the president's track record, I would say probably not, right? I mean, he he has threatened any number of you know severe trade measures that haven't actually come to fruition mm -hmm. uh, because he's you know with the Chinese, for example, he's actually you know tried to negotiate with them and 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 basically said you know forget ZTE, forget the steel and aluminum tariffs, forget right. you know instead let's come to a big deal so he can then say you know I'm the I'm the best deal maker in the world. Uh, you know, uh, one thing we don't have time really to get into this now, but it. It very clearly, he has decided. I mean, he's already decided he's running for re-election in 2020, right? He's, Effectively, I mean, he's he's he's, he's got a come close to saying that much. Yeah, yeah. he has a campaign he's, in place. Right, he's got a campaign in place. He's got a campaign manager. Mm -hmm. I believe he's got a slogan: "Keep America great." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> and I think he even said that during the 2016 campaign, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 true. So is it going to be a Kaga hat instead of a Maga <laughs> hat. I, 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 I don't know what it was, but uh, and and he's actually holding campaign rallies already. So, yeah, I mean, he's and you could make the case that he's never really stopped campaigning. I mean, that's the thing that he loves the most. It's the it's it's and it's what his advisors will tell you that they feel is the truest version of of Trump and the sort of the, the version that connects with with voters the most, at least right. his supporters. No. No, I think you're right. I, I'm sure he believes, he feels, if I could just, just keep campaigning and not have to mess around with governing, right? <laughs> it would be a lot more fun. It yeah. is more fun. I, I'm, I'm sure about that. You're right. Andrew, so good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Follow Andrew at politico.com. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, June 12, according to President Trump, it still looks like it might happen. The summit with North Korea has been on again, off again, and it's, uh, well, they're trying to get it back on today. Hello, everybody. Good to see you again, and I hope you had a great, great, great weekend. It is Tuesday, Tuesday, May 29. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, where Rolling Thunder uh, helped us all celebrate the Memorial Day weekend, as they do uh, every uh, every Memorial Day here in the nation's capital. Uh, and we've got uh, the, all the news of the day for you to bring you up to date. Uh, Congress is out this week, but uh, the president on the job, uh, to the extent that he's ever really on the job, um, most of the attention being on the efforts uh, with the top negotiator from North Korea heading for New York today uh, to see if they can't get this summit back on track after Donald Trump pulled the plug last week. We'll bring you up to date on uh, that and all the other news of the day, including increasing concerns about the administration breaking up immigrant families uh, at the border 
uh, and what the latest on all of that. Rebecca Entralgo is a reporter at Think Progress, covering particularly immigration issues, who joins us in studio. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Good to see you. Good Thanks see for coming you as well, in. Of course. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you your comments on the news of the day, whatever it is. Uh, if we've talked about it yet or haven't talked about it yet, uh, give us a holler on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it with all of you and with Rebecca and Trago from Think Progress. But first, this Peter is the Full Upper. Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. We talked about hockey in the last hour. Let's talk about the NBA because no, is we still now going have, on? Yeah, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're close. We are. We are. Yeah, oh. we, we now have the two teams that will be playing in the NBA Finals after a pair of Game Sevens over the weekend. First of all, Cleveland and Boston. Game Seven happened on Sunday night. Cavaliers. One eighty-seven to seventy-nine. LeBron James once again put a mm, team mm, on his mm. back to carry them into his eighth straight NBA Finals appearance, which is just insane. I mean, it's just completely bonkers. Uh, so it will be the Cavaliers facing the Golden State Warriors, who beat the Rockets last right, night in right, Game right, Seven right. of the Western Conference Finals. One hundred one to ninety-two was the final score there. This is. The third time in a row, the third year in a row that we've seen LeBron James and the Cavaliers take on the Golden State Warriors. Golden State one-one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cleveland one-one. So we will see. This is call it a tiebreaker if you want to, but Game One kicks off Thursday night at nine o'clock p.m. So I'm sure you'll be watching, Bill. Uh, well, go Warriors. <laughs> All right, go Warriors. There it is. Uh, we were wondering, some people were wondering, I wasn't wondering because I don't really care, but some people were wondering where will the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan Markle, where will they take their honeymoon? Well, TMZ might have the answer to that question. It looks like they will be spending their honeymoon not in Ocean City, Maryland. No. Yes, I know. I thought oh, they were going to go to Ocean it. They City. missed it. Total, total missed opportunity there. They're going to be at the Royal Retreat in Fairmont Jasper Park Lodge in Alberta, Canada. They've had several royal visitors over the years, by the way. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, Harry's great-grandparents, and King George uh, VI, they spent some time there in 1939. Uh, The current queen and Prince Philip went there in 2005. It sort of set out in the Canadian wilderness. So, Aren't they already on their honeymoon? I I don't think so. But the wedding was... Two weeks ago. You may have royal obligations. <laughs> Something royal like that. Also, yeah. your entire life is a honeymoon. You're a member of the royal Real. family. You don't have anything right. to do. So you can take your time planning, I guess, how you're going to do your honeymoon. But it looks like that's where they're going to be going. It's in Alberta, a Jasper <laughs> National Park, surrounded by nature and abundant wildlife. Which, that sounds like a fine time. I guess, you know, if you're... Whatever. <laughs> I Look, man, I you're report... Right. You decide. <laughs> I'll put it that way. <laughs> Peter, you were so down on this wedding, and now you're really into the honeymoon. I'm not into it. I just, I, I, like I said, I just put the news yeah. out there. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, it's time to start focusing on the issues and not on this Russian investigation. <laughs> Guess who said that this morning? 
He just tweeted it out. Yes, Donald Trump, the man who has talked about nothing but the <laughs> Russian investigation for the last 18 months, including, I don't know, a dozen tweets over the weekend. Uh, it's hard to follow. <clears throat> Fake news. <laughs> Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Tuesday, Tuesday, May 29th, so good to see you today. I uh, hope you enjoyed the weekend. Took time out also to remember what this weekend was all about. It was Memorial Day. Um, uh, not just a time for uh, fun and family and picnics and barbecues, but I hope you enjoyed some of that as well. Uh, and welcome back to the real world here, such as it is. We're, we're coming to you live with the news of the day from Washington, D.C. We'll bring you up to date on the latest on the North Korean summit, the latest on the immigration battles, uh, and whether or not there may actually be some action on DACA. Some actually Republicans are even saying they ought to get that done before the midterm elections. Uh, we'll bring you the news. You tell us what you think about it by sending us your comments on Twitter, at uh, BP Show, as we join you all across the country and around the globe, just about on any platform we can find uh, on online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on television as well, on Free Speech TV, Coast to Coast, and uh, looking at you and listening to you who are joining you on the radio out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Rebecca Entrago, reporter for Think Progress, particularly covering immigration issues, kind enough to join us in studio this morning again. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. So you're, the story that caught our attention the other day, 1,500 missing immigrant children? Yeah. So this story was actually published by the New York Times last month at the end of April. And for some reason, I think on Friday, it just sort of was making the rounds again mm. um, about these 1,500 children that are actually they, Are these kids we lost or what? They're they're not missing per se. It's just the federal government has it, has lost track of them. Um, and so I think there are two well, things. That that sort of means they're missing, doesn't well, it? Well, it's it's kind of two things. Basically— We don't know where they are. Well, it's like it's they're missing, but what happened is— So these kids that arrived at the border, they arrived by themselves. They weren't, didn't, they weren't torn apart at the border by their family members. They were sort of—they came by, you know, by themselves or maybe with groups of other uh, minors— and they were placed into the custody of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, and they're placed with sponsors. And 85% of the time, those sponsors are people that the child already knows, like extended family. Other times, it tends to be people they don't know. Um, but they're carefully vetted by Office of Refugee Resettlement and everything. And I think about last year, about 8,000 of these children. And once they once they leave office, uh, the ORR's um, custody, they basically aren't, you know, they aren't the responsibility of the federal government anymore. They're required to make one wellness call. Um, and what happened was, I guess, about 1,500 of those um, fifteen hundred of those uh, sponsors didn't pick up the phone. It, they made one call. They didn't go to the, you know, the home or anything to check up. So that's, they lost track of them because they didn't pick up the phone or they, maybe they were intentionally avoiding, um, you know, any contact with immigration because maybe, you know, the family they were staying with was undocumented or was living with undocumented people. So maybe they just kind of wanted to lay low uh, for the time being and, and not interact. So, so I think it got kind of twisted over the weekend um, to say that they are missing. They are missing, but it's, I guess the, the, what the New York Times used, the language they used, was that they well, lost what will, track. What will eventually happen to these kids? I mean, I, I don't know. I, for, for for all we know, they're they're in the hands of their sponsors. and. Um, but, so 
are they just allowed to stay in this country then for the rest of their uh, lives? I, yes, I, for I mean, I assume until maybe they're uh, of age, um, of eighteen age. So that's I, that's all sort of we know for now. Uh, and uh, what ages are we talking about with these? Um, I'm not really sure. I think they tend to be probably around seven or eight years old, maybe. Or how do they get here on their own? I I don't. Maybe they're smuggled. I uh, maybe they leave home runaways. Um, that's that tends to be the case. They you know that my biggest takeaway with this story from like how that was reported to like what the actual problem is to what we're really dealing with. It just shows how much there needs to be this needs to be addressed mm-hmm. right with whatever right. whatever right whatever side of the political aisle you're on right whether you're on you're the good guys or the bad guys right it just needs to be addressed it needs to be handled there needs to be something in place like those there were some the, some heartbreaking photos mm-hmm. that came out over the weekend of kids immigrant children who were kept in it, it looked like a kennel yeah it literally like it looked like a kennel there were you know uh uh dog cages yeah that we are keep we are keeping these children yeah. in uh and it's unbelievable it's mm-hmm. unbelievable that this is where we are right now and you have one party that's saying no 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 everything's fine we're going to keep doing we're going to keep doing what we're doing yada 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 and the democrats who who would like to see something done but aren't willing to stake their political lives on it it's just kind of it's just grotesque. Yeah. No, it is. And I mean, we're talking, you're talking about seven year olds. I just can't imagine um, the conditions under which parents would mm-hmm. just let their five, six, seven year olds right. lose right. and put them in the hands of some smuggler to get them across the right. border. And these kids being able to deal with all of that mm-hmm. coming here. And then again, we put, keep them in dog cages and then we send them yeah. off to families and then we yeah. lose track of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus. They're, they're, some are making the argument that it's actually okay that we haven't been keeping track of them because, I mean, would you want ICE, you know, agencies like ICE um, keeping track of children? I feel like there's an argument to be made that, like, maybe it's okay that they, that, you know, <laughs> that the ICE doesn't know where they are but, because it could keep, you know, a, you know, a, a stronger well, hold on them. Well, as long as they're in good hands, which, right. which is not necessarily... right. Yeah, given, we, we, we can't thing. know for sure. No. But, but over the weekend, I, I think it was kind of, there were two things that were conflating. People were conflating the children that arrive alone at the border with uh, the Trump administration policy from May that basically, that actively tears. That's a dr- draconian, disgusting policy that basically if you well, arrive at the border with your family, uh, the adults get taken to a detention center. Children aren't allowed at the detention center, so they get sent to their own detention center. And those are, you know, sort of the kennel things that we've uh, been seeing. That's what I was going to get yes, to next, right? Yeah. Is this is the Trump policy is, yes, we break up the families right. and we're going to continue doing it. That's the only th- that's that's the way to handle it. Mm-hmm. And then the latest wrinkle is he blamed the Democrats for this right. policy. Yeah. Right. And, but and it's his policy. Right. And it's it's I think in even a tweet over the weekend, I have his tweets sent to my phone. But over the weekend, I try not to look at them that much. But this one just sort of caught my eye. It basically just he blamed the Democrats for like. A law? There's no law <laughs> that says you have to break up families at the border. It's a policy that he, his administration actively put in place. It's not a law. He was like, what put pressure on the Democrats to, you know, break this law? And it's it's not a law. He has no, you know, no, no, no pressure for him to actively do this. Well, so, again, what is the, what is the logic behind this? The family, the family comes, they present themselves. These are families that want amnesty, correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they come, they're fleeing, 
civil war yeah. or criminal activity mm -hmm. or gang activity, whatever, mm -hmm. in particularly Guatemala, El yeah, Salvador, Central, Central America. Central America. They go all the way to the border. They look for guards so they can turn themselves in. Mm -hmm. They're not running away yeah. from them. And then the first thing they do is bust up the family and send the kids off in one direction and the parents yeah. off in another direction. Yeah. I think what um, the DHS secretary said was that basically they don't want to tear up families, but they want to discourage people from coming into the United States. That's basically what she said. And so if, you know, people in Central America see that these families are being torn apart from their children, you know, they might be less inclined to come to the United States. So I think that's what's happening here is that, you know, DHS wants to discourage people from coming into the country. Um, and is anybody doing anything about this? Uh, I mean, there's a there's a big activist movement, but I, I mean, as far as I tell from the federal government, I mean, the, I, as far as I can tell, there's no real big push um, to to do anything about it. Oh yeah, why would Congress act? Right, they haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, they 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 uh, they failed multiple times to do anything on on a number of issues, but particularly relating to immigration. Right. So this is an administration policy that is ongoing mm -hmm. and. Yeah. I guess uh, unless the mm -hmm. president changes his mind or right. unless Congress intervened, right. it's going to continue. Right. And, and and what's been so striking to me is like my parents are immigrants, but they came from Cuba. And so there was a special policy for Cubans because of some old war mm. relationship mm -hmm. where, you know, if you came to the United States, you stayed there for about a year, you can get citizenship. Um, and, you know, that's what talking about this with my family. Um, who, you know, they're typical Miami Cuban Republicans. I don't think they understand the disconnect. Like, people from Central America are fleeing for way worse reasons than you. I mean, they're active, like, gang violence, you know, being threatened on a daily basis with violence, and they're coming here to seek asylum. You know, it's, it's I don't think it's, it's, it's a, weir a weird disconnect because, you know, I, as, I understand well, the struggles my family went through came, coming here, but it was much easier for them than it is for these no, families. No, no, no. There was always the special treatment for, uh, oh, absolutely. for, for the Cuban, or mm -hmm. even those who came, the boat people, right? Yeah. Or they didn't call them mm -hmm. boat people. By Bas in, in, in Spanish, it literally is boat people, baseros. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they, if, they, if they touched dry mm -hmm. land, right? Yeah. They yeah. were here, and they never yeah. had to go back. And as soon as the uh, Obama administration, you know, took back the WEFA drive policy, they were up in arms. They were like, "How dare, you know, he end this protection for us?" I'm like, "You, like, you yeah. do you not understand? Like, Venezuela is like they have way worse uh, government going on right now than you all do. I mean, it's, it, they're both bad, but I mean, they're you know levels of of bad, <laughs> and they were kind of living on the extreme end of it, and and Central America and the rest is." Uh, yeah, other countries in South uh, South America. It's yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. I'm sure that your uh, Cuban relatives in Miami don't like the, don't want to hear you say don't like hearing you say that. But, I mean, uh, I've said it to them before. So. <laughs> all right. Now, it gets, things get complicated. Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> things get complicated. It's tricky. <laughs> okay. So, um, in terms of Congress acting, where where are we now with Doctor? Are we just uh, the Dreamers? I, I've said this so many times. We've had so many members of Congress, mm -hmm. Republicans and Democrats, who say that if you put the bill, an independent bill, just mm -hmm. a standalone Dreamers mm -hmm. bill, on the floor of the House, mm -hmm. it would pass overwhelmingly. Yeah. I mean, it just makes so much sense that these kids were brought here by their parents yeah. when they were toddlers or whatever, most of them. Mm -hmm. they, they, they had no choice in the matter at all. They've mm -hmm. lived nowhere. Oh, we've been through this so many times. They've lived nowhere else. They speak English, mm -hmm. um, and this is their country in yeah. every way but having that little piece of paper. Yeah. The vast majority of members of Congress would approve mm -hmm. of, of, of 
it's not citizenship. It's yeah. just that they're in this protected, mm-hmm. recognized yes. program. Yeah. I mean, there was that discharge petition that many House Republicans signed on to. I think the problem lies with Paul Ryan. I don't think Paul Ryan wants anything to do with helping dreamers at all. Uh, so I think it sort of lies, it goes all the way to the top. So unless, you know, Paul Ryan has a change of heart, I, I really don't know what um, where what, what that's going to happen because he's, I think, sort of the, the main problem here. <laughs> And yeah. other members of the House Freedom Caucus and, and things like that. But. Right, right. It, it's Paul Ryan. Um, it's got to get through the House. It's Mitch McConnell, too, mm-hmm. who yeah. hasn't brought it up for yeah. a vote, I don't think. It, I don't think so. I mean, there was an immigration bill, but it mm-hmm. did not address the Dreamers. Yeah. And then it's the president himself who has said at one time, don't worry, I'm going to take care of the Dreamers. Right. I love the Dreamers, right, right, right the whole right, thing. Right. right. Uh, and then he turned around and instead used the Dreamers as a bargaining chip to get mm-hmm. the money for the wall. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so strange to hear him talk about, you know, we need to act fast on DACA, we need to protect these dreamers, like why hasn't Congress acted? I mean, he created the problem for himself. He ended the DACA program. Yeah, it was um, doing fine. Yeah, it was, it was doing, fine. It no, was <laughs> really doing fine until he said, I'm going to end it and throw it to Congress. Right. And so it's it's bizarre to hear him, you know, say, like, look at this problem Congress has created. It's not Congress's fault. I mean, they're definitely at, at fault in some respects, but he was the one who, who you know, took the executive action and, and ended it. So I, it's, it's really be, it starts with him. <laughs> right. So we passed the March 5th deadline. Here we are, May 29. Mm-hmm. Nothing has happened. Yeah. And it looks like nothing will. Yeah. I, I mean... I think uh, analysis from, I think it was uh, American Progress did, uh, and their immigration team found out that I think about every day, 1,200 Dreamers lose their status. So because they, you know, they missed that deadline to renew their status when um, the March 5th deadline and then the extension, there's like a a strange period of time where some people didn't renew it in time. And so they uh, have lost their status. Right. so it's and and you see all these posts on social media of people who you know like a while ago there was that dad who um, he was a father so he out he was past the age limit for DACA protections and so he you know had lived here since his whole life since he was like eight and was deported back to to Mexico he had leaving behind like two kids and it, you know in the airport there's heartbreaking pictures and it's just like how <laughs> like how can yeah, anyone do this it's 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 bizarre. Well, I guess the answer is that we don't have to worry about it because they're all just animals. Right. Yeah, of course. That was a, that was a, that was an interesting time. You know, all the people, a lot of, you know, reporters from the New York Times, Washington Post who were like, I mean, they're animals. So it's he was talking about MS-13. So, you know, uh, he wasn't really calling all immigrants animals. But if you go back and watch the tape, the question that he was asked was about the broader policy at large. It was not, MS-13 wasn't really related in the question that was asked. So I don't know how you would justify calling, first of all, calling anyone an animal, but also, you know, calling immigrants animals. It's just, it makes no sense. Well, I think because, it's, it's uh, to me, the answer is because in Donald Trump's eyes, every immigrant is a member of MS-13. Right. Oh, absolutely. He's always conflated criminality with immigration before. And that's... Certainly not the case there. Uh, the vast majority of people who come to this country come for the same reasons that people who are Italian or Irish came for. They came coming for a better life. They don't, you know, they, they file their taxes. They don't, you know, they have no criminal record. They're just here living their lives, you know, paying, you know, see, you know doing seasonal low-wage jobs. You know, it's, 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 they're just living their lives. Let's just, let's just, by the way, let's just take Donald Trump's comments at face value, right? Let's just say 
that he was absolutely talking specifically about MS-13, which is a very bad gang. It should not be the job of the federal government to come out and call them animals. Yeah. Like, that's the wrong position for the federal government to take against anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't care how bad you are. Yeah. It's not It's not the job. It's not, it's not part of what the president of the United States should do to stand there in front of cameras and say that about anybody. Mm-hmm. Is it a problem? Maybe. Should it be addressed? Maybe. How are we going to address it? Please let us know. You're the president. But to sit and name call yeah. and to uh, dehumanize them, mm-hmm. even though they are very, like, MS-13 appears to be very bad people. <laughs> uh, it's just not the, It's not what the president should be doing. Yeah. But, and it, you, it, don't, but you don't understand. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is Donald Trump. I know. Yeah. And he has redefined what the presidency is all about. It's true. Right. And it it true. used to be... It used to be when you might disagree with the president, mm-hmm. but you would, you know, respect him because he handled himself with a certain professionalism, if you will. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and and calling not this one calling them animals also just, I mean, the, the sort of name calling just sort of it doesn't address like what MS thirteen members what what brings them to the point of going being in a game like the the right. the political right. and cultural issues at play in these countries and the the violence that causes people to join violent gangs. You're the president of the United States. You should, at some level, fancy yourself to be a problem solver. Yes. <laughs> Solve the problem. Don't call names. And this is very simple. This is what I tell my children. Be best. <laughs> be, be, be best. Be best. <laughs> no name calling. Oh, God. Uh, so, uh, Rebecca, you've also been writing about some of the response of the high school students yeah. to the whole gun violence problem. Yeah. What, how do you explain the difference between the response of the Parkland High School students mm-hmm. and the Santa Fe high school students out in Texas? I I really don't know. I mean, I think so. So what happened with Parkland, I think they were just very, like, politically motivated motivated students. Um, they they didn't really have a movement to piggyback on student-wise. So the Santa Fe students, at some cases, you literally heard them say, we thought about this happening at our high school. They actively supported the Parkland students in the National School Walkout Day. So I think for, for the Santa Fe students, they're sort of and rightfully so, sort of piggyback, piggybacking on the movement that the Parkland students already created. And, and I've been actively watching the the Parkland students because uh, my family's from South Florida, and they you know they live in the same county um, mm-hmm. that uh, Stoneman Douglas High School is in. And you know it's been crazy just watching them continue this activism. I, I think you know or this past week they were boycotting supermarket uh, brand Publix because they it was you know revealed that they have were giving an extreme amount of money to uh, one of the Republican gubernatorial candidates in Florida Adam Putnam um and he actively has he's he called himself a pro he called himself an NRA a proud NRA shill uh right after the election uh, right after the shooting he still maintains his ties to the NRA and he's very proud of it and Publix a very beloved uh, supermarket brand in Florida was yeah. oh, actively yeah. donating to their campaign and so they staged these die-ins at supermarkets and and Publix said they would end up political contributions after that so I mean these kids are you know taking you know this activism to you know the local level you know in their own state in Florida but also you know it's spreading to the kids like in, in Santa Fe as well right yeah but the kids in Santa Fe some of them some of the comments I heard I mean 
they were not they didn't organize any protest right um a lot of them seem to say look guns are part of our culture this yeah. is texas true and mm-hmm. um boom so yeah, yeah live with it yeah it, it's a cultural thing i mean in in broward county and i mean where Mar- jerusalem and douglas is it's a very affluent neighborhood in broward county it's a predominantly white neighborhood compared to the rest of Broward County so it's the high school and I doubt I mean I'm sure there are people who maybe have like a handgun but I don't think it's part of the culture in that area of Broward County in South Florida yeah, right. uh, in Texas it's different you know you, you heard these students say they grew up with guns yeah, um, they yeah. they understand I think for, for them it's less you know we should ban these guns I think for them it's most mostly we should you know, institute age restrictions and we should institute background checks. I think with the Parkland students, it's like we should ban assault rifles. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily what Santa Fe students were pushing for, for cultural reasons. Well, I also think that where, where perhaps they can have the most impact uh, with the Parkland students particularly and others that have joined around the country is these are the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. These kids are coming of age. Right. They can vote yeah. in the, for the first time. Yeah, that'll be very, very interesting. A lot of them are probably 17 when the shooting happened. By November, right. they're probably turning 18. Right. So it's... Right. it's uh, And other students, as I say, watching them you know, around mm-hmm. the country. Right. And uh, the message that I've heard from the Parkland students is, okay, number one, you got to register to vote. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I went to the March for Our Lives mm-hmm. march here in Washington, D.C., which was phenomenal. Yeah. And there were voter registration tables mm-hmm. or people all over the place. Yeah, right? and I, I think in Florida you're even allowed to vote mm-hmm. in the primary if you're seven at, if at 17 if you're going to be 18 by the election. So it'll be interesting to see how the primary right. turns out. Or, yeah, so the, number one, you got to register to vote. Number mm-hmm. two, you got to vote. Primary, and number yeah. three, you ought to be sure before you vote mm-hmm. where that candidate, whether it's for state legislature, yeah. city council, or Congress, or yeah. Senate, or whatever, mm-hmm. Governor mm-hmm. stands on gun safety. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. I, I've been paying attention to Florida specifically, and that's that's you're sort of seeing that shake out. There are certain counties where city councils are instituting, you know, armed guards at in certain counties, and in certain counties they're just doing metal detectors and it's clear backpacks. Like it's 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 interesting to see how things shake out in different parts of the state, and it'll be interesting to see how that you know who wins the Senate race there, Bill Nelson or Rick Scott, <laughs> um, and who wins the governor's race as well. Right. Back to your uh, Cuban uh, family mm-hmm. in in Southern Florida. Yep. Um, what did they What did they think about Obama relaxing, sort of moving to begin mm-hmm. relaxing relations with Cuba? Um, so, are, or are they still back in the old uh, <laughs> anti fidelity We have we have family. I have, we my my family actively sends money and funds to my aunt who I've never met who still lives in uh, Cuba, and I think. For the people there, they want, you know, these relations to be relaxed and they they would love for the embargo to be lifted. My family more so would want these they would want uh, these restrictions to be relaxed when someone not related to the Castro family is in power. I think for them, it's like, you know, they're they're, that's today. Well, their their new their new president is you know he was kind of groomed by but he's Raul. not he's not a, he's not a Castro but it's still in the same they still believe it's the same sort of brand it's the same Castro brand you know there are so few people who give it up what do they want <laughs> they want Batista back <laughs> I mean I yeah. I have I, I've never discussed that with them but <laughs> I think I think for them it's more like they don't want anyone who it could and that's difficult because there are so yeah. few people who remain in the island who know who know what life was like oh, yeah, before right, right before Castro so because it's that's a while ago yeah. so I mean you know for the new president <laughs> and all you know the 
the people in in the administration or I mean they're they're sort of Congress. Have you body. been to Cuba? I have not. I really want to. <laughs> go. I want to go this summer. Go. Yeah, I, I have family there. I've never I've never met her. I, I talked to my my aunt uh, once a year. And... You, you there are commercial flights in d- despite Donald Trump. They're still, <laughs> they're still commercial. It's really cheap out of Miami, so there's still commercial flights. It yeah. takes less than an hour from oh, Miami yeah. or Tampa. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I've been there twice. Yeah, Did and you enjoy it? <laughs> um, and it's great. It's yeah. great. And um and you know even though Donald Trump has made it more difficult. Mm-hmm. You can find a way to get there. Yeah. Under some some rubric, some yeah. organization. Mm-hmm. Go see your family. Yeah. Whatever. My, my my dad has been okay with me going. It's like my, the older generation, like my grandmother, uh, who's sort of been like, oh, I would. She doesn't. I asked her if she wanted to go, and she was like, I knew what Havana was like in its splendor, and I don't want to yeah. go back there, uh, wow. knowing seeing how you know gross it is now. And I was like, okay, well, I still want to go. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> important part of me. <laughs> I want you to go and come back and tell us all. I will. I will give a full report. (laughs) All right. Okay. Deal. Deal. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Rebecca Entrago at Think Progress, a great Think Progress, thinkprogress.org. Catching up with the rest of the politics of the day with Igor Babish from HuffPost coming up next year on this Tuesday edition of the Bill Press Show. Don't go away. Short break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, you bet it is the Bill Press Show on this Tuesday, May 29, coming out of Memorial Day weekend into a whole new week and a whole whole new, uh, well, kind of some leftover news stories, actually, from uh, last week. Brought to you today from our studio on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C., brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America. Yes, LIUNA is what they call themselves, Laborers International Union of North America. Big sponsors, uh, it turns out, of the Las Vegas, what are they called? The Golden, Golden Knights. Golden, Golden Knights. Knights, yes. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm sure they sponsored the Golden Knights when they didn't realize they'd be playing the Caps <laughs> yeah, right? for the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals. But at any rate, you might have seen on the ice last night the big LIUNA logo. Uh, under the leadership of Terry O'Sullivan, great members of the uh, Laborers Union, Thank them for their good work and their support of our program, and we welcome uh, to the desk here uh, Igor Babish, who uh, covers all things political, you name it, wide wide range of things. Wide or range, thank HuffPost, yes. Thanks, Bill. Hi, Igor. It's good to see you. Uh, awful team, those, those uh, Vegas Knights, right? <laughs> oh, they are, yeah. <laughs> How dare they? Uh, by the way, so we gave them one game last night. I think yeah. that was... The right thing to do, right? Make them feel Char- good. No charity. They they just got started. The know. local crowd, right? Right. Yeah, they just I, got started. Right. I have I so. have worked with you for almost thirteen years now, mm-hmm. and this is the first time you've ever mentioned hockey on this show. <laughs> like, I love. I, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not hating on it, but like, I think we all sort of. Don't, but like, I don't pay attention to hockey. But for who does? Right, right, <laughs> right. So I'm not the only one no, who no, hasn't no, mentioned hockey in all this time. It's right. all right to root okay. for the home team. So Igor, you just uh, you're telling me you just came down from uh, New York, uh, spending the weekend in New York. You're hanging out with Rudy yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we were sitting together at the ball game. Uh, oh, you know, right. Yeah, just having a, having a few laughs. I hope you got a little better reception than Rudy Giuliani did when the announcer here, as you'll hear, announces that. It's uh, his birthday. We're going to all say happy birthday to Mayor Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) 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 
They're actually just saying Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) What was he thinking? Oh, man. You just try to go out to the game, you know, have a little laughs, have a beer. Mm -hmm. Right. Actually, I don't know what he does with his day, honestly. Because all it seems like he does is just talk to reporters and watch Fox News. Like, does he actually do any legal work for the president? No. No. Uh, Donald Trump did not hire him as a lawyer. I was going to say, right. He, he hired him as a TV commentator. He's right. doing what Trump wants And that's wants what he does. Do. Yeah. He'll do every cable show that he possibly can. And then he'll say whatever pops into his head, like he revealed that Donald Trump, as we know, he revealed Donald Trump did, in fact, make the payments to Michael Cohen for Stormy Daniels. Knew all about it, <laughs> made the payments. He revealed all. He, he, also, he I would say, he's slightly more competent than Anthony Scaramucci, who was, who was brought in basically for the same purpose <laughs> before he flamed out. Low yeah, bar. right. Pretty Slight, low bar. Slightly more, but not much more. And then he also has uh, revealed over the weekend that yes, in all this talk about Spygate, what we're really trying to do is to um, play the jury. So that whatever Robert Mueller, undermine Robert Mueller's credibility. Uh, Here is Jonathan Carl from um, ABC News making that point yesterday. Giuliani was quite clear that what they are trying to do is undermine the credibility of the Russia investigation. He was asked about these spygate charges, and this is what he had to say. It is for public opinion. Members of Congress, Democrat and Republican, are going to be informed a lot by their constituents. So our jury... Is the Amer- as it should be, is the American people. What he was saying is that they are trying to undermine Mueller's credibility. So when you hear the Spygate charges, no, first of all, there is no evidence. And secondly, that they are trying to wage a public relations campaign. Uh, and you've written basically, basically the same story for, for HuffPost. That's yeah. what it's all about, right? It is. I mean, it's just so crazy. But is it crazy for this administration to admit something like that? I mean, they, they've clearly shown that they have no, no sense of shame when it comes to these things. And Rudy is just playing that out one more time. What what really strikes me is um, kind of even more outrageous about this is that it, you know it's it's an active investigation and they're challenging day by day the rule of law each time they do something like this. And here they show that they don't even care about it. Why isn't that obstruction of justice? Why them trying to? Yeah. Pu- well, there it's it's one trying thing to undermine the FBI, undermine right. Robert Mueller, trying to get him fired, yeah. shut it down. I mean, on and on and on. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be one thing for, for Mueller to decide and in in how he writes his report. Um, but what they're trying to do is clearly lay the groundwork to say, this is not legitimate. Um, we don't have to pay attention to this. And our supporters are going to back us up on that. Right. So Trump just about a half an hour ago tw- tw- tweeted, I, I, you know, I've got to, I've got to deal with the issues. Import, it's important to deal with the issues. <laughs> and not talk about the Russian investigation. That tweet following probably a dozen tweets over right. the weekend, which were nothing but talking yeah. about the Russian investigation. Why is it still going on, and why isn't the Department of Justice investigating Hillary Clinton? Because she's <laughs> the one that really colluded with the Russians. And we're going to hear more about that at his campaign rally tonight in Tennessee, where he's <laughs> not going to oh, be working that's on those right. press Tonight issues. is Nashville. Oh, right. crap, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so it's going to be another venting. He often uses these things to vent, really, about anything that's on his <laughs> mind. But uh, what I did find interesting about that tweet is he was using the word meddling um, to say that, you know, the, the Russian investigation is going to interfere. That's going to meddle with the November midterms. Um, and it's kind of a part of a pattern where Trump, the president, 
um, kind of co-ops the language that's being used against him mm-hmm. um, to, you know, kind of uh, troll Democrats or, or turn it around on people, turn the argument around against people. Right. Um, just in the same way that, he, you know, he, he used the term fake news, which used to used to refer to actual false reports that were uh, meant to change people's opinions into something that, you know, news that he doesn't like. Right. What To what extent does his total fabrication of the spy theory have any legs? Um, well, <laughs> I think the, the biggest uh, tell really was in following that meeting last week with DOG officials, with, you know, Republicans <laughs> about whether these had claims had any merit. You didn't see any Republican come out and say anything. Uh, they stayed totally quiet. No Republican senator, congressman, anything like that came out and said whether it was true or not. It's just kind of a tell, really, that these claims had no They didn't come out and say, this proves it. Right. Now we're convinced the <laughs> yeah. president is right. This exactly. is outrageous. They said nothing. The only one who did speak uh, after that meeting, and um, maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, so in case everyone doesn't know, um, this this was a meeting to brief members of Congress mm-hmm. on the veracity of Donald Trump's claim that the FBI planted a spy in his campaign. Correct. Right. Right. It's, the FBI it's, said we will DOJ and, and we'll tell you exactly what happened. Correct. Um, and it, you're getting into loops and loops and loops of that Donald Trump is uh, the web that he spun is and you you've got. Department of Justice officials briefing Trump on claims that he made that he knows are false. Right. <laughs> that everybody knows are false. That So we have to go through these. It's it's like a show. It's a circus that he's trying to spin in right. order to uh, blast the credibility of Mueller and the investigation. All right. But, you know, when you, when you get the D- Department of Justice briefing the leadership of Congress right. on a total BS thing that the president has said with no evidence behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a, it, it, it's sort of like spinning wheels. But I'm, I'm, And then they made it worse, right, that they, um, number one, they originally did not invite any Democrats to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Correct? Correct. Yep. And the Democrats, I guess, raised so much hell that they were then finally invited. Mm-hmm. And then at the meeting, who shows up at the meeting but Donald Trump's attorney. Donald Trump's attorney, yeah. And Chief of Staff Kelly, which... Uh, what were they doing there? I mean, uh, that's a good question. Uh, what the White House said was they were there to send a message from the president <laughs> to uh, to Department of Justice attorneys but, to be open with the information. But clearly they were there to pressure uh Yeah, but I mean, think about it. In terms of making a travesty of the system of justice, right. here's an investigation, criminal investigation of the president... The dip, and the people conducting this investigation are briefing the leadership of Congress on exactly what they're doing. And then the criminal himself sends his, or alleged criminal, sends his rep to the meeting. <laughs> I mean, in any other court of justice in the country, you could not get away with that. And entirely inappropriate. And, you know, for, for the amount of hell that was raised during the campaign for when, for Bill Clinton meeting with, oh, you know, Loretta yeah, Lynch, right. this, is, yeah. this is just far beyond um, and what what surprises me really, what I don't find surprising is any of these things that Trump is doing, the whole Spygate, you know, labeling. He's that's him. He's been doing that. He's going to do that. What is really should be outrageous is the Republican members of Congress who are giving this weight by echoing some of his, you know, most egregious claims. 
Well, the one person, again, now we're catching up, who did speak out was Congressman Adam Schiff, the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, who talked about, here's how he labels Donald Trump's uh, spy charge. There is no evidence to support that spy theory. Uh, This is just a, a piece of propaganda the president wants to put out and repeat. Propaganda. Propaganda. Right. And yeah. again, there, you've had no Republican come out and say, no, this that is, is true. That is significant. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and in terms of the president latching on to something like this, um, I don't know whether he's going to keep doing it because it has sort of been disproven. Mm-hmm. But he loves, to, he loves to brand these things. Oh, he'll continue to do it. Yeah. And 35% of the American people will, will believe him. Correct. Yeah. All right. And, and yeah, I think... <laughs> I make the point that I I I kind of beat this to in, into the ground last week. But to me, what we've learned from all of this is is that the FBI was conducting a criminal investigation of the Trump campaign, mm-hmm. possible I mean possible collusion with Russia, based on what they learned about George Papadopoulos and his meetings and Carter Page and his meetings, right? And they were conducting that investigation of Donald Trump, while at the same time they were conducting a criminal investigation of Hillary Clinton, and James Comey decided that we would know about this one, the Hillary Clinton investigation, but never, the public was not told about, they were also investigating Donald Trump at the same time. That's right. So you had, Comey really tilted the election, I believe, toward Donald Trump. Yeah. By keeping that investigation secret. And the whole theory right now from... Trump and his allies that this was this report about this informant uh, spying, quote unquote, on the Trump campaign. Um, The whole the reasoning is totally flawed. I mean, if you if you had that happen back during the campaign, this would have been out right before the election. If if Hillary and if Barack Obama were trying to influence and swing this thing toward Hillary. Instead, (laughs) they obviously Barack Obama and his administration knew about it uh, and they didn't say a peep. So. (laughs) If they're trying, if this is being done for political purposes, why is it coming out now and not before the election? Yeah. Uh, they didn't say Pete because they assumed Hillary was going to win. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And James Comey didn't say Pete, who knows why, but maybe for the same reason. But whatever, oh. politically, Comey made a political decision yeah. to, to, to talk about the Hillary uh, investigation, but not to reveal the Trump investigation. Bill, if you really want to know, you can order his book. You can see his many talks. You can <laughs> I pay tickets. His, I wouldn't order his book for that reason, because I think he helped elect Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump ought to be thanking James Comey, um, not the other way around. But, you know, so I'm just one person. I, he doesn't care if I buy his book or not. Because <laughs> You sure? Now, here's the big issue that a lot of Democrats are um, are wrestling with these days, and you cover this, Igor. Um, should the Democrats be the party of impeachment or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one man from California, Tom Steyer, who's spending a lot of money saying this, and, and, and who sort of attacked Nancy Pelosi over the weekend saying that she's not leading the party the way she should because she's not on board yeah. with his big impeachment bandwagon. Um, who's right and who's wrong in this, do you think? I I am tend to be of the opinion, uh, again, after the 2016 election, I'm, I refuse to make predictions anymore, but <laughs> yeah, right. I tend to be of the opinion that um, that 
when Democrats talk about impeachment, Republicans could come around and say they're going to impeach the president, come out to the polls in November, and it will animate their base. And really, who's going to save them in November? It's the older, predominantly white voters who come out and vote in midterm elections. Um, so it's 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 really just a it, it's risky. It's a risky tactic to be calling for his impeachment right now. Here's Nancy Pelosi with uh, she had a CNN town hall last week uh, with uh, Chris Cuomo, mm-hmm. uh, and this question did did come up. Uh, Nancy's throwing cold water on it. Impeachment is, um, uh, to me, divisive. Uh, Again, if the facts are there, if the facts are there, then this would have to be bipartisan to go forward. But if it is viewed as partisan, uh, it will divide the country. And I I I just don't think that that's what we should do. So I think what the leader is saying there is when Democrats are out running for uh, election or re-election this year, mm-hmm. that impeachment should not be their number one issue, right? They should not be out there saying, elect us and we'll impeach Donald Trump. Right. Right. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it's uh, the right strategy for Democrats. Not that I, I'd, I'd, I'd vote to impeach him right, like right now. If we could do it before the end of this program, I think we'd all be better off. But it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, politics is the art of the possible, right? And um, if the goal is to win back the Congress and to win back the Senate this year, which yeah. I believe it is for Democrats, right? Um, this is not the ticket. This is not going to get them there. Um, I think it'll turn people off more than. In, in order to take back the House, that Democrats need twenty something seats to rest away from Republicans, and in order to do that, they've got to appeal to the middle. And I, I think that's what we're trying to do to to try to broaden their coalition. And they can't win over Trump voters by saying they're going to impeach him. They can they can make the argument that they're going to be in a check against him uh, to to provide proper oversight, which is badly needed because this Republican Congress has totally given up on that. Right. Um, and the other point is that you know if you look at you know in the, in Nixon's case, for example, uh, you had a Republican Party, his own party, that was willing to stand up to him. You don't have that now. And even if there were even if, you know, Donald Trump shot a person on Fifth Avenue. I, I don't know if they would actually vote to impeach him. That's that's the running, actually, that was the running joke during the campaign. I, 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 well, because he said that. And that's I right. I think it's the truest thing he ever said. Yeah. And I know the answer is they would not impeach him for that. Right. But Paul Ryan wouldn't. He'd find some excuse. Oh, I disagree with what Donald Trump did, but, you know, let's not. He's still new to the job. He's still learning. Oh, that's true. That's true. I forgot. Right. Yeah, (laughs) still new to the job. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you guys. I think that if if that's your platform that you're running for uh, as a Democratic candidate, you're probably going to have a bad time. But at the same time, I'm also tired of Democrats taking things off the table, right? Like, and not that she totally took it off the table. But, like, look, you could make a serious argument that if Donald Trump was serving in any other office, right, if he was serving on the local level or anywhere like that, like, this would, he would already have been thrown out of office. He would already have been impeached. Maybe. Maybe. But, like, I think that the checks and balances there are in better place, in better shape than what we've got right now in the federal government. I I just don't think, I don't think it's copping out to say, for one, let's wait and see what Robert Mueller comes up with. That is the criminal investigation. We haven't seen right. uh, number one. And number two, let's wait till we 
control the House of Representatives and could do something about it. And I think that's... And not spin your wheels on something that you're never going if, to... If, look at the people who introduced articles of impeachment today. They have a, they're not going to get a hearing, right? They're mm-hmm. not going to start hearings of the Judiciary Committee on impeaching Donald Trump because a couple of, what are the 15? I don't know how many Democrats. Maybe yeah. there are 50. I don't know how many Democrats there are. They're not just, this is not going to happen this year. Yeah. Not going to happen. Stop spinning your wheels on something that's not getting you anywhere. And I think you'll see, well, we'll see, but <laughs> there might be some Republicans who are more willing to speak out after November just because they won't have to deal with the threat of reelection. Uh, I think it will take the Mueller investigation. Yeah, uh, to, to to get there, mm-hmm. you know it, it, th- that much. So, uh, how do you see the midterms? Now, you mentioned uh, Democrats um, needing twenty three. Now, mm-hmm. McConnell Lamb won. Right, right. Doable. Yep. Doable. It's doable. Um, the it, it, it's so heavily tied to um, the president's approval rating, how the economy is doing, which is picking up. Um, Republicans were banking on the fact that this nor are banking on the fact that this North Korea summit is going to take place where Donald Trump can come out and say, we did it, we solved world peace, (laughs) that North Koreans are disarming, Uh, potentially put it in an Iran deal for North Korea, Um, and to say that he, you know, uh, he's he's competent. Look what he did in North Korea. Um, And I don't know if that's going to happen or not. You know, we're still waiting to see whether um, they actually have the meeting or not. But um, in terms of whether it's doable, I think Democrats can definitely do it. Um, can they screw up? Have they screwed up before? Definitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But if you just look at the numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, the average loss in a presidential in this first two years of a president who holds the White House is 43 seats. <laughs> Democrats need to win 23. Mm-hmm. So if you have an average year, yeah. right, it should it should work. There's been a, a lot of hand-wringing in the last couple of weeks among Democrats and um, who have seen the president's rising. No, poll numbers? Poll numbers. Yeah. Who have gotten a little worried. Republicans are getting a little more confident. Um, who say that if the election was held today, keep in mind that's still a ways away, but if it was held today that they might hold the House. Um, I, I don't know that that's true or not. I mean— just look at the body of evidence that we have so far on so many of these special elections, um, House seats, local races, where Democratic enthusiasm has been just off the charts. Um, whether they can maintain that momentum, I don't know. Uh, they're banking on a lot on health care, the economy. Health care, how many people are going to remember Republican votes against Obamacare in November? That's the big question. Uh, so, as you mentioned, Donald Trump goes to Nashville tonight. Mm-hmm. This is another case of uh, a test of how of Donald Trump's coattails, if you will, right? correct, which didn't prove uh, very helpful in um, uh, certainly in Alabama mm-hmm. twice, right? Twice, twice in Alabama didn't help Luther Strange, didn't help uh, Roy Jones, Roy Moore, 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 Moore. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> Um, Who's still out there running for something? Still out there, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, um, certainly didn't help uh, in Virginia. Didn't help uh, in in New Jersey. Uh, in West Virginia, I don't know how you would call that. I mean, he came out and said, "Don't vote for Blankenship," but right. didn't really endorse. He yeah. said, "Just vote for anybody else, but but Blankenship." He learned so. his lesson. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
And now in, in Tennessee, it's going to be Mar- Marsha Blackburn versus Phil Bradenson, the former, former, very popular former governor of Tennessee. Right. Tennessee is yeah. an interesting state. It's, it's obviously well, a red I, I, state, conservative state, but it's not so Trump-friendly. Um, people don't like Marsha Blackburn as much as they should, as, they, as Republicans are hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, they view her as a little too extreme. Especially on immigration and, and issues like that. I forgot who she beat in the primary, but she had a there was a more establishment Republican, if you will, yes, right? In the correct. Prim- yeah. Um in in her conservative district. Right. Um statewide, you know, this this is a state that brought Bob Corker to the Senate. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more of a centrist, conservative on fiscal issues, but more of a centrist. Um, who has been hesitant to come out there and say that he supports Marsha Blackburn. He officially he has endorsed her and yet in interviews when he talks about her he says he won't campaign for her. He does he, that's right. He won't campaign he will not against campaign against Bradenson. Right. Right. So it's gonna be a really interesting race. I mean if if with with I shouldn't say if, but with Tennessee now in play, and I think it is in play with Bradenson as the candidate, that changes the equation and the possibility of also picking up the Senate. It does. Especially if um, Democrats pull it off in Arizona, um, mm-hmm. surrounding states, it's it. Arizona, Nevada, right. Tennessee, and then hold on to some of the others that are that are tricky. Um, interesting year, and watch California too. By the way, uh, very interesting thing. Donald Trump tweeting this morning again, endorsing the Republican candidate for governor, who doesn't have a chance. <laughs> uh, Igor Bobic, nice to see you, my friend. He's well building. From uh, HuffPost, HuffPost.com. You guys have a great Tuesday. This Come back and see us again tomorrow. We'll be looking show. for you.